Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, we are going for a long, long run. And then we're counting down the top five life accomplishments. When we say upwards of a marathon distance, that can be anything from 30 miles to 50 miles to 200 plus miles. There's a common denominator of, of wanting to challenge yourself in a world where everything is so accessible. This is something that you can't just buy. You start to get things like hallucinations. Hallucinations? Like you'll be out there just running and hallucinating at the same time? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's actually quite common. Usually in the second night, trees, rocks and things come to life. You'll look like a rabbit jumping across the path. You'll see people. Um, and even sometimes they talk to you. You've just got to mentally say, okay, I've got to put one foot in front of the other. and I've got to take some food and I've got to drink some water. And I've just got to keep moving forward. Just like life. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So I have always been fascinated by people who push the limit. Push the limit in terms of what the human body and what our minds are capable of. Whether that's running 50 miles, 75 miles, 100 miles, 150 miles. Our first guest is an ultra runner who is really pushing the boundaries of what his body and mind are capable of. And I think that when you do that, you'll hear in this interview exactly what that does to your body and mind. And there's also this fascinating insight into the difference between being motivated and being driven. This is ultra runner Ian Morgan. What separates an ultra runner from just a regular runner, I guess? Like at what distance are we talking ultra running? So ultra running is any distance over the marathon distance, which is uh, 26.2 miles for the U.S. listeners and 42.2 kilometers for the metric countries that are listening. So any distance over a marathon distance is considered an ultra. Now, generally, ultras are usually run in a trail-type environment, so in the hills, mountains, deserts, forests, I don't know, anywhere that's off-road. But there are ultras that are run on the roads as well. When we say upwards of a marathon distance, that can be anything from 30 miles to 50 miles to 200 plus miles. At, at this point, what's the longest one that you've done? 
at this point, um, 280 kilometers from memory. I'm just, yes, I think 280 kilometers. So what would that be? Uh, 100 and, I don't know, 170 something miles. But when we talk about running it, like, are you running it, running it? Like, you're running the whole time. <laughs> no. It, it, for those that don't run ultras, um, it's not like a marathon where, where you go from point A to point B and you're running at a reasonably consistent pace. Um, an ultra, for instance, um, one over run a hundred miler, it had, um, 10,000 meters of elevation gain throughout, um, uh, throughout the race, which is about 30,000 feet. So certainly on the, some of those big climbs, you're, you're just walking them. Uh, even the, the elite professionals, walk or power hike the climbs so, so yeah it, it's not running at a consistent pace all the time it, it's a combination of walking running and sitting down and, <laughs> and having something to eat now and again is there any crying involved i feel like there would be a lot of crying involved <laughs> there is some crying involved um it, it's it's different for everyone um I, i've certainly seen some some um interesting situations is there's crying there's bleeding there's um secretion of various bodily fluids at different points yeah it's, it's an interesting uh um, type of environment to be in um however it's also a very rewarding one what is it i mean you know for me somebody who hates to run more than basically down the stairs like what what is it about it that is attracted to you and to other people like why do people want to do this once again, an interesting question, Nick. Uh, I think it, it draws a wide variety of people. Um, certainly if you look at a bunch of ultra runners at the start line, we've, we've got people from all types of professions, from um, doctors, lawyers, car mechanics, uh, teachers. I, I think there's there's a common denominator of, of wanting to challenge yourself in a world where everything is so accessible uh, 24-7, you can just order stuff on the internet now, you can get a lot of stuff done for you. This is something that you can't just buy. You have to earn, and you have to work hard to earn it. You, you can't just go out and decide to run an ultra. Uh, it does take a fair bit of effort planning, and and it, and it's challenging, not just physically, but mentally. Like when when you look at the different lengths of the races, is a seventy yes. is a seventy five mile race that much harder than a fifty mile race? Well, once again, it, it depends on the terrain. Like uh, a fifty mile race on the road is going to be a lot. Uh, a fifty mile race, sorry, in um, the desert might be a lot more challenging than a seventy five mile race on a road, uh, a road type course. So it really depends on the terrain, and yeah, that. You know, as the distance increases, it, it does push your your physical limits a lot more. You, you start to get things like uh, calorie deficits, uh, dehydration, um, and also the longer the race, if you maybe you might go through two nights where you don't sleep, you start to get things like hallucinations or, or sleep deprivation. So, yeah, there, there can be challenges in different distances for sure. Hallucinations? Like you'll be out there just running and hallucinating at the same time yeah yeah it's uh it's actually quite common usually in the second night um in fact uh, most people that have never run a, a really long ultra um 
yeah, be, be prepared for that. You'll, you'll see trees, rocks and things come to life. You'll look like a rabbit jumping across the path. You'll see people. Um, and even sometimes they talk to you. It, it's quite normal. And once you, once you've experienced it a, a few times, you learn to embrace it and just accept it. Um, yeah, but it is interesting. Yeah, I've never heard that. Like, I feel like that's a sign that your body is saying, hey, man. I don't know if you should be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly your mind uh, does play tricks on you after uh, lack of sleep. Yeah. But like, what what usually goes first for you? Is it is it the mental part or is it the physical part that you struggle more with? I think for most, for for me personally, I, I think it's I think it's more mental, and I think for most people it is. But it's not that it goes so much because after a while, you you actually learn to. To, to, to embrace it. Uh, and in saying that, you've got to remember I'm 50 years old now. So I've had a lifetime of, of, um, business stuff and successes and failures and successes. Um, family issues. I've, I've got four grown up kids. Um, I've been through a divorce. I've been through personal health issues. Uh, you know, so, so I think life kind of prepares you in some ways for these ultras in the sense that mentally you develop a certain amount of, um, well, I've just got to get this done, just like you do in life. There's usually not a lot of options. Um, When you're faced with a lot of this stuff, you've just got to actually deal with it. And and ultra running's kind of the same. Physically, your body starts to get sore, gets tired, things get, you know, the wheels start to fall off, I guess. And you've just got to mentally say, okay, I've got to put one foot in front of the other and I've got to take some food and I've got to drink some water and I'm just going to keep moving forward, just like life. How did you kind of get started? Did you specifically set out to start in ultra running or did you just start running and this was kind of a natural progression? Yeah, um, it was a natural progression. I, I just started running. Um, I was a, an overweight uh, business guy and I was under a lot of stress at this point in my life. Uh, about seven years ago, I think now from memory, uh, we just had some, we had some earthquakes a few years previous. I was dealing with a lot of insurance issues, fighting, uh, um, them in court, et cetera, et cetera. And I was just really unhappy in my life. Uh, uh, my marriage at the time was, was falling apart, et cetera. And, and, I just remember when I was a kid, the happiest moments was when I was running in the hills and, and I just got up and started to run um, for no other reason than that. I just thought I just want to find some happiness in my life again and all the things in my life at the time just seemed to be stressing me and bang, I just got up, started to run. It wasn't very pretty at first um, and it just grew from there and there was never a plan to travel the world and run ultras. This, this just sort of happened, I guess. Are you, I mean, are you pretty athletic before this? Like, did you do a lot of sports or did you just kind of develop this over time? Um, I did when I was a kid, uh, to be fair, in high school. Uh, but after that, I, I actually got quite fat. Uh, <laughs> and, and sedentary, I didn't, I really did very little at all. In fact, I, I did nothing at all except eat and drink. Um, uh, so... Yeah, I mean, there, there was obviously some some ability there as a teenager. However, I think 20-odd years of bad eating and bad lifestyle and stress took their toll. Uh, and it was a lot of hard work to, to bounce back to, to what I'm doing now. It wasn't hard work in the sense I was I was trying to lose weight or, or 
get a six pack or anything like this. It was just that I had such a passion to pursue running. That's what I actually enjoy. I enjoy something that seems impossible to me or very difficult for me to achieve right now. And I think that's, that's one of the keys. You mentioned that you are 50. Are you older, younger, about the same as most of the other people who do this? Probably a little older. Um, <laughs> most people get into this. Um, they sort of retire from the road running and, and get into this in their probably 30s. I mean, certainly the elite guys are now starting to get in in their 20s, and we're seeing a lot more of that. But as the sport grows, the popularity of the sport grows around the world. What, what's your normal week of training look like leading up to a, uh, leading up to a race? An event. Uh, it, it really depends on the event, but... As a general rule, um, for example, last week I did um, 150 kilometers. I saw what would that be? I don't know, about a, just under 100 miles last week. Plus, that's just running, plus uh, strength training and some swimming. Uh, and that's even on holiday. <laughs> um, it can go up to like, um, you know, 100 plus mile weeks for some of the bigger events. But I, I generally, uh, uh, somewhere between um let, let's say sort of i think 60 miles a week will be an average 60 to 65 miles a week will be an average over the year if you had like but if you had a hundred mile race coming up you're not going to try yeah. to run a hundred mile race before that no. right no no not at all not at all so so um you're not going to put with ultra running, you build up an endurance base with a lot of your, the work you do, and you do a lot more strength training to build um, like strength and stability into your body so you can basically stay upright for that period of time while you're running or, or moving um, through the hills. So, yeah, you know, it depends. I have a coach, so a lot of the time he'll study the race I'm, I'm going to run, and he'll set my training. So some weeks might be quite light and easy. Other weeks might be quite big. How many calories like do you go through a day? A lot. Um, <laughs> for example, this weekend I'd run, I've run about uh, this last weekend just been I've run I don't know about ninety kilometers. What's what's that? I don't know about fifty miles over the weekend plus um, some swimming and strength training. That that will probably burn like um, eight thousand eight thousand calories just for that training alone plus my normal calories of walking around and, and doing other stuff so yeah i mean you do have to eat <laughs> uh, and but it's really about eating the foods that that fuel you um so people usually say well i guess you can just go and eat pizza and donuts as much as you want well it's not entirely true uh you have to like eat few, uh, foods that that help your muscles recover and help your body recover and and fuel you for the next training session Man, what are your knees like, though? <laughs> yeah, they're fine. They're fine. Are Thanks they for getting really? this question. Yeah, actually, you know, this is a, a common question people ask runners. What about your knees? It's actually um, most runners I know have really good knees. It, you learn to do strength work. You learn to look after your body a lot more. I mean, I'm, I'm focused a lot on recovery, which involves things like physio, strength training, stretching, um, t drinking enough fluids and taking care of your body. So you tend to like take care of, of small niggles or issues a lot sooner than maybe the average person would. Uh, so yeah, knees, no issues. Is there like a certain body type that most ultra or ultra runners have? Like, are they, I'm imagining somebody that's fairly tall. Are they fairly short? Like what's kind of the common body type? 
Uh, they do come in all shapes and sizes, but as a common rule, uh, I think you would say probably shorter and and skinnier. Uh, a lot of the guys and women at the top end of the field would be field would would be. Um, I don't know the weight in pounds, but in kilos, a lot of the guys are sort of between about 60, 50 to 60 kilos, and a lot of the women are about 40 to 50 kilos. So very light, very short usually. Uh, I, I'm, there are exceptions to the rule. I mean, I'm, I'm six foot one, six foot one and a bit, uh, and, uh, 75, oh, about 74 kilos at the moment. So, you know, there are different types, but as a general rule, smaller and lighter. Are you ready for some of the harder slash listener submitted questions? <laughs> well, let's give them a go. When is the last time your nipples have bled? Um, it's been a long time, actually. Generally, what happens is, is they, after a few races of them bleeding, they harden up. It's, it's like getting, um, calluses on your feet. After a while, it, the skin just gets hard, and, and I haven't had that issue for years. Is runner's high really a thing? Yes, it is. Uh, most definitely. Usually, it happens in the earlier stages of running, um, when your body releases those endorphins and, and you get that rush. And yeah, it, it, it has happened to me, and it's amazing when it does. doesn't generally happen so much as you become more experienced. Your body adapts. And, and, and doesn't give you that, um, that feeling as much. If you're on, out there on like, let's say, a hundred kilometer race, like at what point in that race are you going to think like, oh my gosh, I, I'm starting to feel tired? <laughs> that can vary between about 50 kilometers in to like the last five kilometers to go. Just kind of depends on like the race itself or your mental state or what is it? Exactly. It depends on the race, uh, how much sleep you got the night before, if you had to travel halfway around the world to, to be at the event. So there's a number of factors. Each race is so different. Um, bucket list race that you would like to do? Uh, bucket list. Let me see. There is one that I, I was going to be doing this year, but it's been postponed till next year. It is uh, the Snowman Race. It is in the Himalayan Mountains of Bhutan, 300 kilometers. And with an, I think an average altitude of 4,000 plus meters, which is what, uh, three quarters of 12, about 12 to th 12 to 14,000 feet. And that's the, the base, uh, elevation. So you're going to be climbing up more than that at some points. Are, are the organizers of these things basically just trying to figure out the hardest possible thing that they could do? <laughs> is, is that like their goal? Yeah. You'd think so sometimes. Uh, no, the, this this event was uh, the snowman race was put on by the king of Bhutan to celebrate his wedding anniversary. Uh, but looks like we'll be celebrating it next year instead. But yeah, I think the organisers they do tend to find something that's more challenging now. Uh, we're seeing more and more extreme stuff and more difficult events. Is there a point though where somebody's just gonna like, look, man, we can't do this. <laughs> like that's, we're gonna run yeah. 100 kilometers straight up Everest. Yeah, well, I think what's gonna happen is there, there's obviously a safety issue involved in the sense that you can make a race quite extreme, but if you're gonna make it too extreme, you're, you're gonna limit 
the the ability of people to a complete it and b complete it safely. Um, so I think racers certainly have to look at the the level of experience um, that that some runners have in regards to what they can actually achieve safely. I, I think that there's going to be a certain ceiling or limit that that's that's not going to include the entire population. Uh, just for the the mere fact that that you don't want people um, having issues on the course. Um, hardest race that you've ever done. Hardest race that you think is out there. Uh, hardest race I've ever done. Probably I, I did a desert race, and I had never run in the desert before. And running in up and down sand dunes um, in heat was certainly a, a challenge. Uh, however, I, I loved it. I, I lost, I think, nine toenails in that race. Um, um, uh, hardest race, I think, is out there. I don't know. I, I guess they're bringing new ones in all the time. I hear the Barkley Marathons, the, the one that it, it's um, in the U.S. is quite mentally challenging. I think there's a documentary on Netflix about it. Um, but it's challenging in a, in a mental way more than a physical way. I've actually seen that documentary. It's pretty good. It, the race itself doesn't look like, well, it doesn't look that hard, but it's obviously must yeah. be hard if nobody's really finishing it. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's a mental challenge in that one. What happens to your feet when you lose nine toenails? Well, they swell up a little bit. Um, you actually get used to it. Uh, I, I end up taking um, usually a small knife with me to the events where I know I'm going to lose some toenails, and I just chop them off. Uh, when they start to come loose. That way, it's just so much easier to run. Um, if you've got half a nail hanging there and it's digging into your skin, it, it hurts more. Whereas if you just get a knife and, and like cut them out, uh, it's just so much better to run. So, yeah, you get used to it. It's such an interesting dichotomy that some people hearing that will absolutely never want to do this, and some people will <laughs> absolutely be like, sign me up, and there's no in-between, right? That's right. Yeah, you know if you'd have told me this before I'd started ultra running, I would have said there's no way I could even handle that. That's like people pull toenails out for torture, you know. Um, then when it happens, you think, that's not so bad. What happens to your body on a long run that wouldn't happen necessarily if you're running just five or six miles? Like something that would that, that was completely unexpected for you. You start to get cramps in places you didn't know cramps could happen. Um Dehydration is a big one to watch. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, like I said, the lack of sleep is a big one, but that, that's a that's a race, not a long run. You, you get used to the distances that you train for. So, you know, a marathon uh, distance runner will probably, uh, their long run is, what, 30, uh, 20 miles, 22 miles usually. Uh, an ultra runner, their long run might be, might be 30 miles. So you get used to the distances you train for. What motivates you? I think motivation is a is an interesting word in the sense that, I mean, I, I certainly use it on Instagram and hashtags. Uh, there's these terms, motivation Monday, and, and all this kind of stuff. However, I, I think motivation is is something that wanes. Uh, a lot of people are motivated when they see a video or they see um, someone achieve something that that they would like to do. I, I think. Uh, for me, consistency and discipline are probably more important words. Um, I, I find if I'm consistent with doing the work and I'm disciplined enough to do it, then then I'll, I'll find the motivation. Motivation is the thing that sort of comes last, not first for me. 
when when you look at it, you know, a lot of a lot of ultra runners are they kind of like, hey, somebody's going to come in, they're going to do this for a year or two, and then you're never going to see them again? Or do people usually kind of stick around for the long haul? Yeah, a lot of people are usually there for the long haul. The only issue that uh, I've noticed in the sport in the last few years is um, maybe more so with the younger folks coming through is, is they are young, they're very strong, they're very fit, and they push to the point of like burning themselves out. Uh, so you might see them for two or three years and then they're gone. And I think that's, that's something to, to look at. And that comes with life experience too is, is consistency is the key, not, not just pushing to, to the absolute limit every single time and then burning out. So yeah, I, I, I'm seeing more and more people burning themselves out and more probably at a younger level than at an older level. If you were going to pick like one race, one event, that somebody who said, I'm going to do one of these, and that's that's it. I'm just going to prove to myself I can do this. Which one would you say, like, oh, you got to do this one? For, for sheer beauty and, and an incredible scenery and a challenge, I would say uh, Lavaredo Ultra Trail in Italy. It, it's just an amazing event. Uh, it, the, the Dolomite Mountains are simply beautiful, and it's tough. Uh, it's not one that you're going to just jog through but it is an incredible experience. This is the last question for me. I mean, when you're running 100-plus miles, like, what are you thinking about the whole time? Well, actually, a lot of the time you're just enjoying the, the process, uh, one foot in front of the other, looking at the scenery around you, talking to other people, uh, checking in with your body, you know, what, how, how is everything feeling? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I tired? And the time passes very quickly, actually. You'd, you'd be surprised. Like, you can be out there for anywhere between 13 to 30 hours, and and the time goes really quickly. That's really all the questions I got, man. What's Do you think I missed anything? What's coming up next for you? Well, uh, what's coming up next? I have an event in the UK on September the 19th, 125 kilometers, uh, I think it's in the South Downs. Uh, that's going to be uh, interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's a few um, good ultra runners coming to that as well, so I'm looking forward to the challenge. Then I'm really not sure. The race calendar for the, for the rest of the year is still up in the air, but most races uh, are still waiting to confirm um, various events. Because of obviously the you know restrictions in regards to to COVID uh, or regards to the current pandemic, I should say um, situations throughout the world. So yeah, I'm looking forward to my race in September. Then we will see. I I have quite a few events planned, but I have to hear back from the races and my sponsors to see which ones will go ahead. I mean, is this for a lot for yourself or for a lot of ultra runners? Like, is this is this a full time living? Um, probably not for a lot of ultra runners, but yeah, certainly for myself and, and the, the pros or the elites, it, it's not a sport like, um, a professional baseball or football where, where there's, uh, huge salary packages. Um, it, it, it is growing and, and it is becoming, uh, more monetized, but yeah, I, I make a living out of it. I also do, you know, like my social media, uh, work, I uh, have sponsors, which I'm very grateful for. And I have a lot of support from from the ultra running community and the online community. So I managed to get by 
doing this full time, which I, I'm very grateful for. We we just got this question. This one isn't in, but somebody just sent me this. I want to ask you this one. Better thing to come out of New Zealand, Lord of the Rings, Flight of the Concords, or Hunt for the Wilder People? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. All, all very good. Uh, two good movies and a TV show. Um, Mm, Flight of the Concords is very Kiwi humor. Lord of the Rings, probably it. I think half, well, most of the world's probably seen it. Um, uh, Hunt for the Wilder People is hilarious. Um, I'm going to go Flight of the Concords because it's very Kiwi and probably only Kiwis will get most of the jokes in it. I want to thank Ian so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we have also included his information in the RSS feed that's on this podcast. His Instagram is really cool. It's really interesting, even outside of an ultra runner perspective. Because there's so much inspirational content that's on there. And it's also, it's really cool for just seeing some beautiful places in the world. Okay, now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. Hello? What is something stupid that you're proud of? Uh, that in college, I once finished second in a White Castle eating competition. Uh, I ate 28 and a half White Castles in 10 minutes. How much did the guy who won eat? He ate the entire Crave case, which was 30. Okay, so he didn't, like, blow you out of the water, right? Like, you were right up there. But what's the, like, all right, but were you guys both pretty renowned eaters? Or is it, like, hey, the best of the worst competition? No, like, I don't take too much pride in a lot of things, but I I can stick some meat in my mouth. Yeah, you can. I mean, (laughs) when you take meat in your mouth, you take it all the way down. I just I like to get as much of it as I can in there. Then I just it is what it is. Um, that, that's probably one of my dumber, like better achievements that I've ever done. I also am pretty uh, proud of of the fact that I was a four year uh, quadruple champion chubby bunny uh, winner in high school. What's a chubby bunny? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Uh, once again, it has to do with food. So you can do it with different kind of foods, but the one that I could do is how many uh, hard-boiled eggs could you fit in your mouth at one time? And my record, no bullshit, is 13. You fit 13 hard-boiled eggs in your mouth at once? No joke. Wow. How old were you? Uh, that was my junior year of high school. <laughs> wow. Did you so, wait? Did 16? you did you practice? No, not at all, actually. So what was your strategy? Did you just try to cram it in there as much as possible, or did you try to, like, fill up the corners and then move to the middle? <laughs> what was your strategy for cramming a bunch of stuff in your mouth? For the, so for hard-boiled eggs, all you had to do was get your lips closed, so I just basically shoved them all in there until I couldn't breathe anymore. Well, wait a minute. But you could essentially smash them up, right? Couldn't you chew them a little bit, and then that would make it even easier? Yeah, yeah, you could, you could like, you couldn't swallow. You just had to have them in your mouth. However, you did that. I'm surprised no one has died in these kind of competitions. Actually, when you think about it, I've only heard of one person dying in a competition, and it was like six years ago, and it was the one where you had to drink like eight gallons of water to win like a Nintendo. 
I actually know the DJ that did that competition. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but I remember that she was, okay, so she was working in LA. She got transferred to Orlando where I was working as a news reporter. And I was like, man, that girl's name sounds familiar. Why does this DJ's name sound from? Oh, you killed somebody. That's why. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on. What you got? <laughs> um, I, I got more stupid things, but let's like we'll get some shout outs. We'll come back to the stupid things, even though I, I think our top five are going to be disappointed in me. So maybe I should come up with a different strategy for it. Now you got me thinking. So thank you. Um, but all right, let's get some shout outs. Uh, appreciate everyone checking us out this week. Uh, a lot of, lot of, lot of feedback. I, it's almost like we're getting popular, Nick. I don't, I, I don't know, but probably not, not anymore, not after that fucking competition. Oh, by the way, the White Castle eating record is 107 burgers in seven minutes. Oh shit! Dang, I wasn't listening to anything that you were saying after that because I was trying to find this out. But that's Damn. a lot. Well, you do a good job of uh, still pretending to pay attention. So well, mostly the time. Okay, that's what I'm. That's my general strategy. I just kind of like, yeah, man, I hear you. I hear you on that one. You just that you just basically repeat the last thing that the person said. And that's all you got to do is catch the last couple of words of their sentence, and then you can just repeat that and with a little bit of emphasis in some way, and then you can just move on. You don't have to pay attention at all. I've been to a Zoom meeting before. <laughs> you don't even have the video up on a Zoom meeting, do you? I bet you don't. No. Basically, if you don't have the video turned on, that's a way of you're saying that this meeting is not important. Oh man, you are you are something else. All right, let me let's 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 get this out of the way. Um, I've been waiting all day. All right, so thank you very much. Uh, oh shit, hold on. God, I, I do. Mike got fat fingers over here. Hold on. All right, starting over. Uh, let's get some shout outs. Uh, let's start with Dylan Linson, Kyle Millett, Earl James, Sandra Hageley, Alberto Gutierrez. Appreciate all of you checking us out. Then on Twitter, uh, my favorite like of the week by Sam Elliott's mustache. Appreciate that account. Uh, Mitzi Bohannon, uh, Tim Woodman, Marianne, and Kevin McNeil. Okay, quick question: Are are Mary and what other are they a couple? Do no, they... Mary Ann. It's yeah, her name. Yeah, but what was the Mary Ann and somebody else? You said it like they were a couple, like they had the dual username, like they're a married couple, but they just use one social media account. Now there's Marianne and then Kevin McNeil. Okay, but what is her name? Is it Marianne McNeil? No, it's it's, it's Marianne. That's her. Okay, but you said it like they were a married couple, like it was Marianne and Kevin McNeil, like it's Marianne McNeil and Kevin McNeil. So I was wondering, are they like? Did they have the joint social media account? No, and I don't. I I don't know either of them, but I hope they don't do that because I think that's one of the most ridiculous things you can do is have a joint account with like your wife or your partner okay so quick question here i have a buddy whose name will not be mentioned who has a text message app where his wife gets to see his text how do you feel about that <laughs> i i don't i don't know his wife like i said i mean i i think that's pretty extreme that's like having to find my friend on your phone right where you can like look to see where the other person is all the time like why why would you want to see their text messages, you so, know, unless you're that particular or worried or something? Well, okay, right? If you have a relationship in which you guys have an agreement where you're both seeing each other's text messages, here's my question. 
did the man fuck up or did the woman fuck up? Because somebody fucked up. Like, that's just not a, you don't just, like, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and let's get burgers tonight. You know what? Like, hey, let's go ahead and just share our text messages all the time. Like, you don't just (laughs) transition into that because of a feeling. Like, something has happened there, right? I thought you went from burgers to text messages. That was was a good transition. I'm just making the, I'm making the point that that, that there is, there is a cause and an effect in that that whole transgression right there, right? Like, you don't just... You know what, honey, I've been thinking. Let's share text messages so we can track everything that we're doing. Not not that I'm, like, against doing that, because, I mean, I don't have anything to hide from my wife. It's, it's just more of, like, the privacy thing. Like, if I'm in a group text with, like, you and other people and we're sending, you know, bullshit memes back and forth, why would I want my wife to see that? You know? I mean, it's just... I agree with you. Somebody fucked something up somewhere along the line. Okay. All right. Let's move on. (laughs) Moving on. All right. Would you rather make it past 65 or live an entire complete life and die at the age of 30? Oh, you mean like die young or live to an old age? Yeah. Honestly, okay. A couple of years ago, I would have said like live a complete life and die at 30. Now I'm of the opinion that I would much rather make it to 65, right? I've I've always hated that mindset that people say, well, you know, at least he died doing something that he loved. I bet if you brought him back from the dead and asked him if he would have rather died doing something that he loved or lived another week, I bet he would tell you he'd rather live another week. I don't know why I'm laughing. I agree with you wholeheartedly, especially in sports, like with NASCAR or auto racers, like when they die in a crash. Oh, Dale Earnhardt hit that wall and he died, but he was doing what he loved. What, burning? that's what he was actually thinking? Fuck no. No, he wasn't like, oh, wow, glad I'm doing something that I love. No, burning to death probably wasn't what he loved. He had his sternum crushed. Oh, is that Dale? Whatever, I just assumed he burned. Sorry, sorry. apologies to Dale Earnhardt. I mean, it's a serious... Sorry about that, man. But (laughs) I just... we're, We're just talking about the idea that, look, nobody really... I think if you brought somebody back from the dead and like, are you glad that you died doing what you love? Their answer would be no. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, better 007, Pierce Brosnan or Daniel Craig? Daniel Craig. I do think the newer movies are better, but I think Pierce Brosnan fit the 007 character better. Just my opinion. I couldn't name you a single. I couldn't even name you the name of the Pierce Brosnan movies at all. Uh, I mean, Goldeneye. You know, Goldeneye, you, you played the game for that, years, I'm sure. That's the only thing that I would know about. That's the only reason P- Pierce Brosnan is elevated is because of the shooting game Goldeneye. <laughs> that's it. Nothing else. Just the fact that he was in a movie that spawned a fantastic video game. Really? That's probably the best shooting game of all time, honestly. Ooh, that's that's like your Zelda comment. We're just going to leave, leave that alone. Okay. No, I did get some hate from your... Zelda trolls out there, but it's fine. There's no Whatever. Zelda trolls. People have intelligence and know that it's a great game, and you come up here saying something stupid like Hulk Hogan <laughs> Smash Heroes is a better game than Zelda, and you're surprised when people call you out. Whatever. Um, I, I, we're just moving on. Uh, are you you got to take a poop either at a greasy McDonald's or a nasty local home improvement store. Which one are you going with? Are we talking like local, like we're not even talking like an ace? We're talking like an independent dealership kind of place where people wouldn't know the name of it unless you live there? Yeah, we're talking about like Derby, Kansas, like homegrown hardware store. How big is the store? We talking really (laughs) small? Uh, They have just what you need, but they don't have everything that you need. So we're not talking like riding lawnmower big. Like they've actually got riding lawnmowers in the store. Yes. 
I don't really feel comfortable pooping in any kind of environment where the square footage is less than, let's say, 5,000. <laughs> wow, okay. You're talking about like going to a, a, a business, of course, right? Not your own presidential palace that you live in. No, yeah, a business, right? I don't okay. like, I think that if you're talking about any of those kind of, it depends where the McDonald's is, too. If we're talking about a McDonald's in a downtown city, that's a hard pass. You're talking about McDonald's on the highway? I think a highway McDonald's might actually be acceptable simply because of the fact that they got to keep that thing clean. <laughs> I don't know, man. We both have driven lots of miles, and I, I, I think truck stop or rest stop bathrooms might be the worst bathrooms. Like They're worse than gas station bathrooms. You know a truck stop is a gas station, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, well, whatever. I was you I was fishing for it, and you bit, right? I always bite because I'm an emotional person, all right? Yeah. Are we already our top five? We're, I mean, we're moving right along. I'm, I'm going to be asleep in 20 minutes the way this thing's moving. You going to bed early? <laughs> it's yeah, like 4 o'clock, like that, dude. Man. It's like 4 o'clock. All right, so our top five is top five life accomplishments. What's your number five? All right, so i got to ask you. Are, are we having fun with it, or are we being serious, or are you just not going to tell me you're going to make fun of my list? Yeah, dude, not going to tell you make fun of your list. All right. Uh, so I have my number five, uh, not going to jail for a long amount of time. I don't understand how that's a, a life. I mean, maybe for some people that is a pretty big accomplishment, like not doing drugs. That's probably a pretty big accomplishment, so to each their own. But I don't think that you should generally get any sort of credit for stuff that you're supposed to do. Like, you're not supposed to go to jail, so you really don't get credit for staying out of jail. <laughs> I mean, I your your points are are or your point is like it's smart, but you know I, I you, you don't go to jail. You live a you live a good life. You stay out of jail. That's that's an accomplishment. My number five is uh, graduation. And look, depending on who you are, that can be graduating from kindergarten, eighth grade, high school, or college. But I think that's a, that's a momentous occasion in somebody's life. It's like the start of their adult life once they graduate from whatever the last thing they graduate from is. I I, I have something similar down the line, so well, I'll give my two cents on it in a little bit. Um, my my number four is uh, raising a family. Wow, that's way too high for a raise raising a family. It's way <laughs> too high for that. I. I kind of agree, but um, I got I got some other like really really good ones. So. Oh, okay. Well, we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> I know you will. Be. Is bragging one of your great accomplishments that you put out there all the time? Big hoss. <laughs> Big hoss, man. God, I, <laughs> I, I do don't love... miss being called a hoss. That's for sure. <laughs> I do love. I do love straight using a big hoss. We should do top five nickname, like top five condescending but complimentary nicknames like big hoss is definitely one of them like if you're five three and somebody's calling you big rudy like they're making fun of you you just don't know it <laughs> i let's do it let's uh but next week yeah you know, right let's finish week. this let's finish this one first uh my number four is first real job not okay. the, not not like when you get the first thing in high school or whatever your first real job like where you actually give a shit and try Okay, um, your list is a lot more, uh, more like straight, straight line, straight edge than I thought. I thought you were gonna, 
say some funny things. But no, so far it's been it's been completely real. So you're throwing me off here. Well, I knew that your list was going to be dumb. <laughs> so. uh, my number three. Uh, so I have graduating high school, college, you know, tech school, whatever it is, uh, you know, but some kind of graduation. Okay. My number three is leaving home. Okay, I, I I left that off, but that that probably should be on the list. That's that's a huge accomplishment for most people. What's your What's the oldest person that you know that has lived at home? Ooh. Um, like continuously or left and came back? You've got to be living at home for let's say three months, at least three months, right? Because you could say like, oh, I'm 42 and I'm living at home because my house is being built. Like that's not the same thing. Right, you have to be living at home because of ex- external factors. Okay, so I'm not I'm not putting this person out there, but I have a family member who is in his 60s who lives with uh, his mother still. Well, did he move out? I, I mean, he did, but I would say at least for the last 15 years he's been living with her. He doesn't he doesn't take care of her. Oh, she doesn't have health complications. She does, but he doesn't take care of her. That's why he's getting pointed out. Well, who's taking care of her? Uh, her other f- family members. Who don't live there. Who do not live there, no. Mm, okay, yeah, he's solidly in that category. I'm going to have to say that guy might be the winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yep, yep. We'll have to get him on the podcast sometime. No, we probably shouldn't, because I'm <laughs> sure that he's not a joy to be around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, no, he is... He is, uh, he is not a joy to, to be around. When, uh, I'm just curious, when did you leave home for the first time? 18. College? Was it to go to college? Yeah, 18. I left at 18. Okay. How about okay. you? How about you, John? <laughs> 27. <laughs> no, I, when I went to college, but I, 17. Look, here's the thing that I think there's also, a, how old, 17? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's because you got a weird birthday. You're like one of the summer birthday kids that's always behind all year. <laughs> that says a lot about who I am. It really does. Now, now <laughs> they hold them back. But your parents went ahead and pushed you forward when they should have probably waited a year. <laughs> uh, what were you going to say? I feel like you're going to say something. I think that one of the great untold stories of this entire quarantine is how many people who have been caught masturbating because everybody's home all the time. <laughs> is it sad that like quarantine is going to last? And last and last, like, God damn it. When when you watch a movie now, like if you're watching a movie or a TV show and they're next to each other, do you wonder to yourself, like, oh, my God, they're not keeping social distance? <laughs> I I mean, I've, I've wondered, like, how, you know, how are they coming out with new episodes of stuff when they're supposed to be socially, uh, socially dista- distancing? Wow, I can't talk. Um, but then I remember that, like, in other countries, they've practically eradicated it so they can just film it over there. And, you know, then we reap the the benefits. But it's like, you know, good old America. God bless America. Well, number one, that's not how that works at all. Obviously, you don't know much about TV production. They basically finish shooting those shows like six months to a year in advance. And then they spend the whole rest of their time editing it, promoting it, and marketing it. That's what the delay is. I don't think that mo- it really takes them that long to shoot the shows itself. It takes them a long time to write them and to edit it and to promote it, which you can basically do by yourself. The shooting is a small part of it. I, I, you're, you're the pro here. I'm, I'm just the student. You're the master. Well, my wife's friend's on-again, off-again boyfriend works in Hollywood. 
I think it, yeah, pretty much. I think it does, actually. Uh, look, can we get back on track here? What's your number two? Uh, so my number two kind of goes with my number four of of raising a family. I, I put my number two as, like, uh, taking care of your family, like being there uh, emotionally and monetarily for your family. What's the difference? So raising, to me, raising a family is is going to their you know going to your kids games being there for your wife you know things like that taking care of your family is having that job to pay the bills or you know being there uh you know to, if if you if you have a busted water pipe you know in your kids room or something and you have to fix it things like that i think i think they're two different things well that's just wrong those are exactly the same thing Okay. It's like I maintain my vehicle, but I don't take care of it. Well, actually, that is uh, kind of different if you think about it. Like, you could maintain <laughs> it by going and getting oil changes and then just wreck that shit into trees. <laughs> See? So maybe I'm not that dumb after all. Maybe it does make sense. Look, I don't want to turn this into the John and Nick personal stories episode, but my dad is in the market for a new car. He wants to buy a $60,000 car. He wants to buy a $60,000 Corvette because he's retired and he doesn't give a fuck anymore. Um, I propose the idea that instead of buying a $60,000 Corvette, you could buy 30 really shitty $2,000 cars and just badass the fuck out of them all over town. And just if it wrecks, you just leave it there and walk away. <laughs> um, now, are we talking getting insurance on every vehicle or no? Okay, so financially, you probably couldn't get 30 $2,000 cars, but let's say you could get 20, 20 cars. For the same price as a $60,000 car. Would you get the one car or would you get the 20 cars and just tear them up? And I'm going to get the one the one nice vehicle. No way, dude. I'm going to get the 20 cars. And I think that would just be... I mean, you'd have some parking issues, definitely. But I would, <laughs> I would go with the 20 cars. And just... You'd see me pull into the parking lot at like 40 plus, smashing over <laughs> curbs. <laughs> put in a park just like idling into other vehicles to stop you <laughs> not even hitting the brakes just like cracking it in a ditch it catches on fire you don't even bother putting it out just like Listen, man let, let your dad buy what he wants you should encourage him to buy a hundred and ten thousand dollar lamborghini no first of all lamborghinis i think are a lot more expensive than that and you could probably buy 50 other cars you could get like five trucks five sedans five Mazda Miatas. Just think about how much fun you could have just badassing cars around and crashing them. I think what you're really just saying is you should talk your father into going into a demo derby competition. You could you could take one of those vehicles, drive it up to the very front, like park it basically inside of the grocery store, get out and just leave it there, buy your groceries, and pick up your other car and drive that home. <laughs> And you just leave your car there for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Listen, what, what's what's your number two speed racer? Buying a house. I think that's okay. the, that's the second biggest thing anybody's going to do, really. Okay. Uh, so m my number one is kind of ties into that, but it's it's like finding your soulmate, getting married, oh, all that so, you know God. soft core porn stuff. <laughs> when's the last <laughs> time? Have you? When's the last time you probably watched soft core porn? <laughs> I mean, we have the internet, don't we? I don't think anyone needs to watch softcore porn. Why does does it still even exist at this point? 
I I feel like with the the you know the decline of cable TV, like <laughs> all that stuff went away. I feel. Yeah, I guess why even make it? Like, is there still a softcore porn industry? I think that should be our our next you know guest as a softcore porn star. I'm gonna try to find a softcore porn star. Softcore <laughs> porn. Can you even find it? Oh yeah, Pornhub has a whole thing dedicated to softcore. <laughs> We'll have some examples up on our social media this week if anyone wants to take a look. I mean, you could make it make an argument that basically all TV at this point is softcore pornography or I mean, inst- that's what, Instagram. That's what sells, right? Instagram sells, is. They say. Yeah. It, who's they? I, I heard it somewhere. <laughs> it's they. <laughs> you just pulled a very George Carlin move there. I don't know. I've never actually listened to George Carlin. Uh, my number one is having kids. I think it's basically the – it's really, if you get right down to it, apologies to people who can't have kids, respect to people who just don't want the little bastards because they are a pain in the ass. Um, it's really the only thing that we're designed to do, in my opinion. Like, you're basically just supposed to have kids. That's the only reason that we're here. It's, it's by far the great – I mean, it's, yeah, it's – I agree with you. Not putting anyone down who can't or who doesn't want, but it's, you know, if you can and you do, it's, it's the greatest thing in the, in the entire world. Well, in the ideal situation, you've kind of accomplished everything else that's on the list, right? You've probably graduated something. You probably have a real job. You probably have met someone you can at least tolerate, and you have some place to live, apparently. So it's really kind of the summation of everything. What else is on, on your honorable mention? Uh, you know, I, I didn't really come up with a whole lot. It was, it was difficult for me to, to put five good ones together, for, oddly enough. You haven't accomplished very much? <laughs> it was a weird mix of emotions for me because I thought you were gonna like make fun of my list, and then you came out out of the gate serious. So now, like I, I started to backpedal. Oh, okay. Oh, there's a whole tube. There's softcoretube.net, which is much like Pornhub. I don't think any of this is softcore. What they describe in the descriptions. <laughs> yeah, because that's all you're doing and just watching. <laughs> reading the description. Well, no, you know how you like there. You pull, you do a search in the website, and the little thing shows like a brief description of the website. Nothing in the <laughs> description of softcoretube.net sounds anything like softcore. <laughs> None of that seems to be softcore. Do you think you could take softcore porn seriously if you were a softcore porn actor? I wonder if they take it seriously. That's actually kind of a good question, right? You have to. I don't think you would. You'd be like, huh. <laughs> I would just think that like it wouldn't be successful. Like you know, things would get messy one way or the other. Would you? Well, okay. Would you? What if your wife wanted to do softcore porn? No, nothing. Nothing goes into anywhere. No kissing. It's just like them touching each other. And how much is she getting paid? Reasonable amount. Let's say she's making fifty grand a year. <laughs> I was just looking like five hundred bucks a, a shoot. <laughs> <laughs> fifty, yeah, fifty grand a year, sure. Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Would love to hear what your guys' life life accomplishments are. And I think that life accomplishments it's it's all relative, right? One person graduating with a PhD in astrophysics is exactly the same level as somebody else graduating from fifth grade. So don't be shy, man. Whatever you're proud of, be proud of it. Good job. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.